What is this now, Brain? Going places? Uh, yeah. What the hell is that? It was an ABC sitcom. Huh. Ran from 1990 until 1991. So it was a thing on TV? Yeah. Miller Boyette. Well, was it any good? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. Well, who the hell would spend an hour talking about it then? I don't know, some guy named Greg. Did George? Uh, no. Kinnear? No, Monsoon, not Greg Kinnear. Pendleton? Who the hell is that? I made it up. Of course you did. Well, then who the hell is this guy? Damn it, I don't know. Huh. Leave me alone, would you, you big dummy? Hey, watch it, Brain. Or I can think of a place you'll be going. Hey, guys, we finally have made it. It's time to review Going Places. Yeah! Going Places. Going Places. Are you so excited, guys? I can hardly contain myself. Mike, are you excited that we're finally doing Going Places? I'd rather do Uncle Croc's block. Oh. That's the spirit theme song! <laughs> <laughs> An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh, Episode 360, nice! Submission number 60, nice! As Greg adjusts himself. Nice! Going Places. Going Places aired on ABC from September 21st, 1990 to March 8th, 1991 for 19 episodes. And we'll do it live! Yeah, Let's we're go. gonna do it live! Here we go! We've been waiting 369 episodes to do this show and for this theme song, and it's finally here, guys! Let's... Wait a minute, wait a minute, before we play wait, wait, before we play it, we should mention this is three or four more episodes than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Hour. Whoa, hold no. on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Couple things. You said 19 episodes, right? I said 19 episodes. So, okay, that's three more than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Hour? Get that weak stuff out of here. <laughs> get that weak stuff out of here. Or if you're in Canada, get that garbage out of here. Okay, three more episodes than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. Show, sorry. And, and and do you want to call it like Uncle Croc's, you know, street party? Is that what you want to call it instead of Uncle Croc's block? No. Okay. Okay, enough about that. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Get ready After... to feel good, y'all. Oh, here we go. The epic theme song to Going Places.
and we should note, obviously the reason we're doing this right now is because right now on HBO, we're in the middle of the final season of Succession on HBO. Yes. We've been waiting. True story, guys. Little behind the veil here. Greg and I have been monitoring whatever news wires that we can to get a date on the final season of Succession on HBO. And so when the news came out, I was like, Greg, Mike, they have a date. Get going places on the schedule. And we did. And it was perfect timing, too. Because if you did not see the mid-season finale of Succession... Yeah, Brian Cox dies in the mid-season finale of Succession. We all saw it coming. Oh, everyone saw it. I mean, it's in the title of the show. Succession! It's one of those things where it's like, and we're going to talk about this, of course, in the year end, but... Yeah, it's like, we've been putting off all these uh, big decisions. Next thing you know, Brian Cox, he did. He did. But you know what? I hope Kieran Culkin ends up with the whole thing. You're thinking of Game of Thrones, Greg. I want Fuller to win the entire freaking fortune. Can't wait to see how this ends. Well, if he wins the entire fortune, I hope he goes easy on the Pepsi. So, going places. There is an old saying here. Write what you know. So, the writing team of Robert Griffin and Howard Adler, who have been with the Miller Boyette Company since 1987, when they were writers and executive story editors of Perfect Strangers, they decided to write a show about television. More specifically, being a television writer in Los Angeles. So, according to this particular show, if you are starting out as a television writer in Los Angeles, you will get your very own writing team and your very own house that is rented out by your boss. Oh, that's fantastic! Makes me rethink my career choices. Maybe I should have been a television writer. But who would be goofy enough to be my writing partner? I'm looking at Greg right now. He's goofy enough to be my writing partner. I volunteer Greg's dad. He can come up with some good stories. Oh, like... Like... Jombie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. As Jason Giambi. And of course, Moats. And... Every hole has a uh, performance art, a performance. Or no, something. no, it's every football game has to have a halftime show. Doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter if it's a crappy Week Eight game with two one and six teams. Everything should be an exaggerate Super Bowl halftime show. And in golf, there should be like sexy ring card girls holding the holes. I don't know if 
this is the first time we've ever mentioned that on the show, but those stories are legendary. And of course, your father, the big fan of one Stephanie Joanna Germanotta. Oh, yeah. His words are... Give him Lady Gaga and they'll be Gaga forever. Not false. So, here's a brand new sitcom about television writers for a brand new, somewhat sort of, programming block. So this would be the second season of TGIF with seasons four of Full House, season six of Perfect Strangers, and season two of Family Matters. So joining those three shows would be this freshman series that features brothers Charlie and Jack Davis moving from Chicago, hoping to be big-time TV writers for a new show called Here's Looking at You. That is the most unimaginative title for a show ever. As unimaginative as it is, it does fit the format, because Here's Looking at You would be a hidden camera prank show along the lines of Candid Camera and Totally Hidden Video, both of which wouldn't be on the air right now. Well, no, Totally Hidden Video was, like, on the air at 91. It was, like, a big hit for Fox at this time. It was a big hit for Fox at that time, and Candid Camera would be in syndication with Dom DeLuise hosting. Oh, that's right. I forgot Candid Camera was in syndication. Everybody forgot Dom DeLuise hosting Candid Camera. We're here to remind you. We have, here's looking at you, Charlie and Jack are writers. Joining them as writers are two ladies. The comparatively down-to-earth Denver native Alexandra Alex Burton and the comparatively space Casey Cloud Cuckoo Lander Kate Griffin. And rounding out the staff is their executive producer and boss, Don St. Clair, who not only hires them on a trial basis, but has them work together and live together. What? Wait a minute. It gets better. They live together in a posh beach house rented out by Don St. Clair, the executive producer. Is this like a Clarence Thomas situation? Good night, everybody. <laughs> you can always count on us to be topical here at It Was Big on TV, bringing up the Clarence Thomas news. To answer your question, Greg, yes, but with less. I don't want oh. to say it, but. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, involving that guy, yeah. If you know, you know. And there is one more sort of character rounding out the troupe that started the series, and that's the next-door neighbor, 
Lindsay Bowen, who is very wise beyond her years. She's sort of a grown-up trapped in a 15-year-old's body who also happens to be a bit boy crazy. We have four single television writers in the same house, and shocker, all single people in Los Angeles talk about two things. Their work life and their love life. If you watch this show, that's pretty much what you get from it. Oh, yes. This was a family show at 9.30 at night on ABC, right before 2020. This is what ABC was pretty much running to the barn with. So... Before we get too much into it, let's talk about the cast. Playing the comparatively conservative, stodgy wallflower of the group, Charlie Davis, Alan Ruck, of course, known primarily for several years on Spin City and little show on HBO called Succession. Hey, don't bury the lead, because Mike, this is the second straight week we're bringing up Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, it is. Is it the second or the third? Because I thought we talked about Edie McClurg two weeks ago as well. Okay, well, it's, I guess it's, it's a three. Third. Okay, yeah. three weeks in a row. We got a streak going, okay. All right. Hopefully this is along the lines of that streak I had with the college basketball coaches. Remember that? But Mike... I have something that I'm going to share with you right now. This is CNN Breaking News. He was in Americana. Alan Ruck was in Americana. Yes, he was. Well, he is Americana. He is. Yeah. I mean, Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller. Can't get more Americana than that. But hey, you can't get more Americana than who we're about to talk about next. Yes playing Alex Burton, the down-to-earth sort of sexy writers that um, Charlie and Jack may or may not have eyes on. Heather Locklear. And really, what hasn't she been on? Talk about T.J. Hooker. Dynasty. She would be three years removed on this show from playing Everybody's favorite terrible boss, Amanda Woodward, on Melrose Place. And let's not forget the ultimate legacy of Melrose Place was it gave us that legendary Charlie Steiner commercial. True facts. True facts. If I'm not mistaken, Alan Ruck and Heather Locklear would be working again together on Spin City. Yeah, she was on the final few seasons of Spin City. I'm sorry, I can't get Charlie Steiner as the pool boy out of my mind, Greg. But let's be honest. Andrew Shue in the Sports Center anchor chair, he was very dreamy. Just ask Gary Miller. No comment. <laughs> anyway, playing the whimsical Manic Pixie Dream Girl prototype, Kate Griffin, would be Hallie Todd, who... At this point, I want to say, would be coming off of doing at least five or six seasons of Brothers on Showtime. And 
around this time, she would play a pivotal role, pivotal guest role on a somewhat sort of pivotal episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, which episode would that be? She would have played Data's daughter. Wait, Data had a daughter? Data had a daughter. He used part of his neural net to create his own daughter. It has not come up once on this final season of Picard, sadly. But let's not forget. She's Lizzie McGuire's mother. Damn right she is. But I have one thing to say. You don't look like Paget Brewster to me. <laughs> Shut your mouth. She looks like Paget Brewster. Blonde Paget Brewster, maybe, but anyway. I'm just glad I worked in a alley that your father referenced. So am I. And rounding out the team of writers as Jack Davis, Charlie's slimy, conniving, sort of perved-up brother, Jerry Levine, known as Joe on Will and Grace, Styles in the 1985 movie Team Wolf, and Jamie in 1988's feel-good film Casual Sex. Oh my god, that's with uh, Victoria Jackson and Leah Thompson, right? Yes, yes. But, however, wait a second, he was in a very special episode of Boy Meets World where Corey's dad threatens his ass if he decides to take Sean into his uh, flat generic soda give me free hugs cult sort of situation. Oh, but he was the guy in that a very special episode about the cult? Yes. Oh, that's great. Well, hold on. This is not going to be the last time we're going to break up Boyd's World this episode. No. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, also about Jerry Levine. He's a director nowadays, including five episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Woo! All from season three. Oh, which episodes? Oh, Greg, I wish you didn't ask that. <laughs> uh, no, no, well, you, you'll find out on the, the second episode. The gang finds a dumpster baby. Oh, classic. Yeah. This one, I'm going to try and dance around as nicely as I can. Sweet D's dating a mentally challenged person. <laughs> that was another great episode. There's another term that goes in there for mentally challenged. I can imagine. I'm not going to say it. Mac is a serial killer. That's another good episode. <laughs> oh, I Mac, love that episode. Mac is a serial killer is a very good episode. Dennis looks like a registered sex offender. Another great that's episode. A good, that's a good episode. You know what? Season three as a whole. Very solid season. That's a classic <laughs> episode. That's not just a good one. That's a classic episode. But the last one. Bums making a mess all over the city. All five are winners. I'm just keeping season it real here. Season three as a whole, Mike. Season three as a whole. I'm just saying, I know that, well, I, I agree with you, but 
these are five great episodes right here. All right, their boss, Don St. Clair, the overbearing, over-emotional, over-horned-up divorcee who is very caring in her own way, is played by Holland Taylor. And it's time once again for Is This Typecasting? No. Is this not typecasting? No, I don't think it is. It's like Holland Taylor is basically playing the same role she's played on Bosom Buddies, uh, Safe by the Public College. Oh, okay, yeah. Two and a okay. half men. Okay. Overbearing, over-emotional, over-horned up, but ultimately caring. Okay. Well, apparently it is typecasting then. All right. This has been Is This Typecasting? Well, we'll agree to disagree. All right, that's fine. And playing Lindsay Bowen, the teenager next door, Stacy Keenan. Yeah, she'd be a few years removed from my two dads. And also a few years removed on the other side from Step by Step. Well, that would be, well, not to spoil it, that would be like like very, very soon down the road. Like the next season soon. Yeah. And let's just say this isn't the first person that we're going to talk about from Step by Step on this show. Let's talk about the episode, shall we? Oh, thank God! All right. We begin, as always, with our expository pilot, Welcome to L.A. In the pilot, four young writers, brothers Charlie and Jack Davis, Alex Burton and Kate Griffin land jobs in Hollywood at the hidden camera television show Here's Looking at You. The foursome end up renting a house together from their show's executive producer, Don St. Clair. And it gets to the point where Charlie is tired of Jack's antics and threatens to move back to Chicago only to realize his place there when they come up with this elaborate hidden camera prank involving a millionth customer contest at the movie theater and a person who looks like Edie McClurg, but is not Edie McClurg. These sound like things you'd see on, like, Nathan for you. And I'm looking to see if Marianne Mullerly is related to Edie McClurg, because... She looks so similar. But no, she does have her first appearance on television in an episode of Night Court, though. Oh, that's terrific. Unfortunately, she plays one of the uh, unfortunate victims in The Terminator named Sarah Connor. Oh, yeah. Not, she's not that oh. Sarah Connor. No, 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 no. I got one thing to say. You don't look like Linda Hamilton to me. Episode 2. Born to be mild. Charlie falls in love with Bree, an attractive new secretary at the production office of Here's Looking at You. Bree fails to notice Charlie until she sees him driving an expensive Porsche. Heeding his co-worker's advice, Charlie confesses that the Porsche is only a rental, and Bree walks out on him. They use the situation as the basis for a hidden camera stunt on the show. 
and if I'm not mistaken, said stunt takes place at the gas station where they pull into get gas for the Porsche because Jack is being Jack and doesn't tell Charlie that it only has enough gas to get him to work. Not necessarily from work, but to work. You won't believe what happened! Lisa Fuller plays Bree, and I looked at her and I wanted to think she was either in Playboy or she was on The Price is Right or something. Turns out, I'm not too far off. She was actually in 22 episodes in 1990 of General Hospital. And she played a game show hostess on... I'm not making this movie up. How I got into college. But Mike, you're not going to believe who directed this because I just clicked on the title. Oh, I know who directed this. Savage Steve Holland. Uh, are you sure? Because I see Richard Carell. No, it says it right here on the IMDb, unless IMDb is lying to me. Wouldn't be the first time. I don't see Savage. Uh, I see Richard Carell, born to be mild. Oh, how I got into college. Yeah, well, we thought you were talking about the TV show yeah, about sorry. going places. That's, that, that's on us, man. That's on us. Okay. No, no. I think we'll all share the blame because Greg wasn't specific and yeah. Okay. Uh, but that, whatever. It's, okay. It's another Tom Needon pure Ozzy Smith situation. There you go. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago with the G Man. So how I got into college was directed by Savage Steve Holland. Now I want to hunt this movie out. Episode 3, Another Saturday Night. Charlie and Kate spend their Saturday nights playing Monopoly, so Jack and Alex encourage them to place personal ads to pep up their social lives. When Charlie meets his date at the restaurant, he discovers that it's Kate! <laughs> well, hold on a second, Chico. You said personalized ads, right? Personalized ads. Oh no, he's gonna do it. Gonna do <laughs> Here we it. go. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Tiny classified ads. Predictable, but always funny. Damn right. Okay, so they get a good laugh out of the awkward situation, and they decide to go home and play Monopoly. Unfortunately, it does not make for a hidden camera prank. Oh, but, darn. But what would happen if it did, though? Well, that would be just insane. That would be wild. Yeah. But good luck trying to get that to work. Anyway, a uh, couple of names in this episode. Ron Bassler plays one of these singles at the singles bar. He played Ted Koppel in 2009's Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Watchmen, a Zack Snyder joint. You know, this was before Zack Snyder got his uh, clout and his cred. And playing Brad, another single at the singles joint, somebody who, if we did not talk about on this show, we are going to. We've Doug... talked about him. Okay. We have talked about him. Your memory is better than mine at the moment. Doug Dale. Doug, the host from TV Funhouse. 
episode 44. All right. Go back, take a listen. Episode four. Clean sweep. Charlie, Alex, Kate, and Jack develop writer's block trying to come up with a good idea for a practical joke for the show. When they finally come up with a great idea, they find that the producer of a rival hidden camera show is featuring the same idea they had. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Everyone suspects one another of selling the idea until they learn that their maid is really an actress who was hired to spy on them. What? And the kicker is, the actress was a little bitty lady named Petey. And while she's cleaning... And she does a really good job of it. She's speaking in a foreign language. If that is uh, Tagalog, that is pretty piss poor Tagalog. Because she breaks kayfabe as soon as she's found out. (laughs) By the way, she is played by Catherine Markopoulos who was on an episode of Perfect Strangers playing a person named Kiki Karadopoulos. The episode is called Wedding Bell Blues. She I got believe... the red bell blues! Yep, yep. Uh, Balky's mother sends him a birthday present from Mipos, a fiancé. Hold on a second. Was there a cameo in that episode from the Fifth Dimension? No. Oh, I don't care. Wasted opportunity. And here's the payoff. This is one of the uh, episodes where they managed to take a long time to get it right, but holy crap, do they get it right. So Peterson, the rival who stole the idea, by the way, played by Bruce Yarko from Ghost, Big, and Outbreak, He is actually the Mark in the hidden camera prank. Yeah. (laughs) They get a butt good, and uh, Dawn delivers that tape to the president of the network, her own damn self. That was actually pretty good. I was a fan of that episode. This one, not so much. Episode 5, Married to the Mob. Hold on. Michelle Pfeiffer will be nowhere near this episode. I can assure you that. Absolutely not. And neither will Matthew Modine or Dean Stockwell. At the very least, you have one person doing a poor man's Matthew Modine. Charlie fears for his life when he finds out that his blind date Donna is the wife of accused mobster Joey the Ice Pick Montaigne who finds out about the date and goes to the house to find Charlie and Donna in flagrante delicto. And Charlie's basically trying to uh, find some way, any way, out of this situation. Otherwise, bada boom! Bang. Ba-boom.
Donna leaves Joey and Charlie's roommates to try and rekindle the romance between her and her husband. You know how they rekindle the romance? By reenacting the Italian restaurant in Hoboken that the ice pick blew up. This aired at 9.30 at night this on a Friday. at 9.30 at night on a Friday. The kids are not going to understand any of this. I was seven when I was watching this. I didn't understand what was going on. He was mobbed up, son. We talked about the person who played Joey the Ice Pick Montaigne before. In fact, Greg, this was your money in the bank. Famous Teddy Z. Tom LaGrua. Yeah. Yeah, Richie Herbie from the famous Teddy Z. Went on to play Remo on Caroline in the City. And Fredo and the Boys. Okay, well, I loved Caroline in the City, but not as much as I loved Wings. Guys, can you now believe it's 69 episodes? Nice. Since I mentioned for the first time ever I loved Wings. I believe it. Hey, guys. Uh-huh. We may have a case of typecasting here. He played the ice pick, the mobster in this episode. Yeah. Coincidentally, he also played a mobster on Married with Children. One episode played Weasel, where Al Bundy had, like, the best luck in the world playing poker. And then the Al Bundy luck comes back to haunt him. Because the police break in right after he won all the cars from all the uh, illegal gamblers, from all the mobsters. All the cars were stolen. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. But related, Tom LaGrua also played a thief on the Golden Palace. He's making this Hall of Fame case. And on something called With Friends Like These... He played head mob guy. So, yes, it's typecasting. He's a mobster. Playing Donna. Charlie's date. Susan Dio. Greg? She plays Beth Calabici of the current era of Quantum Leap. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Al's wife. Hey, Greg. Yeah. She was also on an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, what episode? The Nose Job. Oh, The Nose Job. And based on what I'm seeing about the episode, she may have been the person who had the big nose. (laughs) I'll believe it. Episode 6. Sex, Lies, and Videotape. One of these things is not like the... Anyway... Charlie, Alex, Kate, and Jack stay up late to tape some new ideas for Here's Looking at You after Dawn comes in and foils their vacation plans to their wild, exotic neighbor to the south, San Diego. Hold on! Mike, do you remember that one episode of South Park about what people do in San Diego? What if I said I don't? Oh, no. So I just said yes, and we moved on. You should have. Yeah. Yeah, you should have. 
I'm gonna jack it where the sun always shines. He's gonna jack it. Been spreading the word and now I need to ease my mind. Jacking it home. Oh. Been planting them apple seeds and while the apples grow, I'm gonna go out jacking it in San Diego. Jacking it, jacking it, jacking it, jack. Spanking it, jacking it, spanking it, smack. I don't need no shirt, no, gonna take them pants right off. He's about to jack it. On such a bright day, who needs underwear or socks? Jack it, jack it, hope. Been around God's country, and there's one thing I know. There's no better place for jacking it than San Diego. Jack it, jack it, jack it, jack. Spanking it, spanking it, spanking it, smack. Jacking it, jacking it, jacking it, jack. Jacking it, spanking it, spanking it, smack. Was that from an episode like two years ago, three years ago? No, it's like six, seven years ago because cause you see the Chargers mascot right here. Okay, yeah. I didn't even go into what Dawn was doing there. Okay, what was she doing there? Checking it, checking it, checking it, checking it. No. Second ball, the law. <laughs> We're going to hell. We're going to hell. So Don brings a camera and tells the writers to start doing pitches. Like, pitch an idea, act it out. That way she can basically decide whether or not to uh, accept it based on the video. They decide to do exaggerated, unflattering impressions of Dawn. They get rid of the tape, but they write Dawn's name on it and just what? leave it on the table. They leave it on the table, hoping, beyond hope, that nobody picks it up. Thanks to Lindsay, guess what the messenger does? Oh, he picks it up. He picks it up. Takes the tape. So they sneak into her house, which looks normal. Until you use the remote to uh, turn on the TV and eject the tape from the VCR. Turns out her bed is wired for uh, Ill Freaky Nana. Ooh! And she has a closet full of costumes, too. Oh, costumes. Costumes. So they sneak into the house, try to get the tape back before she finds out. But she comes home before they can. The next day, Don apologizes to the group for recording over the tape without watching it first. You're not going to believe who's in this episode. Well, who's in this episode? Playing Ronald, Don's boyfriend du jour, because Don St. Clair, she a cougar. Craig Branham. Now... That name does not sound familiar to your casual television viewer. But what if I told you he was the season two grand champion of American Gladiators? Oh, I believe it. Not gonna lie. I was 10 years old at the time. I watched American Gladiators after Superstars on Saturdays, Channel 18, Tucson, Arizona. I was rooting for him. I'll say this much. He was no Wesley Two Scoops Barry, though. No, he was not. Is anybody Two Scoops? No. 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 Single best gladiator competitor 
Ever. I'll say that. Ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. Evan Dollard comes in a close second, though. Episode 7. Queen of Comedy. Kate's roommates worry when she starts falling asleep during meetings. They discover that she's moonlighting as a stand-up comic at a local club every night. Which you do if you're a young writer in Los Angeles with some time to kill. Oh yeah, the comedy you've seen was booming in the early 90s. Oh yeah, that's where you get some of your uh, best uh, comedians. I mean, just look at Saturday Night Live at that time. Golden Age. When they see her routine, Charlie gets offended by her description of him, and they fight. After an incident at an ATM, Charlie apologizes for his behavior and offers to write some more material. You want names? I got names. Playing a character named Boners. What? I swear to God, that's his name. Boners! Boners. Okay, I'm going to hope and pray it's pronounced Bonners like Peter Bonners. Or Bonners. Marty Schiff. He was in five episodes of Dallas in 1990. And he was, oh God. He was Herb Burford on Out of Control. What? He was Herb Burford on Out of Control. Oh, that is terrific. I knew I recognized that name from somewhere. It was from Out of Control with Dave Collier on uh, Nick. Oh, what a great show that was, Out of Control. I love that show. Oh, they don't make classics like that anymore. No, sir, they don't. But let me tell you something. He has another credit, but I'm not going to say what it is yet because we will be talking about it very soon, and it will be awesome. Play the MC, Cleto Augusto, who is a that funny guy from that thing, sadly no longer with us. He died in 2015. But he was on an episode of Seinfeld, so. Oh, yeah, that's good. The label maker. Do you remember the label maker? Yes, I do. Episode 8, Thanksgiving Show, or The Birds, The Word. This was the bottle episode of the season. When a blizzard strands the roommates on Thanksgiving, everyone decides to pitch in to give Alex the big Thanksgiving dinner of her dreams. I'm guessing, because this episode was not on YouTube as far as our research could go, but I'm guessing because snow is involved, they went to Alex's family's house in Denver. Because, as a little child once said on an episode of Saved by the Bell, it never snows in Los Angeles. Well, hold on, unless you go to Big Bear Lake. Unless you go to Big Bear Lake. Oh, hold on. Let me back up a couple of episodes because I did not mention. Who directed Sex, Lies, and Videotape? Marklin Baker. Oh! Larry yeah. Appleton himself, yeah. Yeah, Larry Appleton. That's terrific. Episode 9. I was a teenage bride. 
when Charlie and Jack's 18-year-old brother visits from Chicago after breaking up with his girlfriend, he becomes infatuated with Lindsay. And they decide to elope in Las Vegas with the roommates pursuing them when they find out. What the hell is this? Funny, I thought Greg's reaction was going to be a little more animated than that. One, two, three names in this episode. Playing Jay Davis, the third Davis brother, Jonathan Ward from The Adventures of Beans Baxter. The new adventures of Beans Baxter. Yes, but let's not forget, Mike. He was in Mac and Me. I just like how Chico corrected himself, saying the adventures of Beans Baxter. No, no, no. The new adventures of Beans Baxter. I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. I need a palate cleanser. Who else is on this episode? Uh, playing the Reverend Pete Wilcox, who was in an episode of Greg, 18 Wheels of Justice. 18 Wheels of Justice? Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Oh, and, and you're, not, you're never going to believe this. He played Elvis on an episode of Dr. Doctor. An Elvis impersonator on Wired, Elvis on Charles in Charge, a man by the name of Aaron King on an episode of Elf, an episode of Cheers where he played Elvis, he plays Over the Hill Elvis on ER, Preacher Elvis on Pacific Blue, and he played Elvis on 18 Wheels of Justice. His character on Going Places, Reverend King. Let me guess. Oh, I'm a reverend. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So apparently this is not typecasting because he didn't play Elvis in this episode. No, he, he played, played a reverend. reverend. He played a reverend named Reverend King. Oh, in a Elvis Vegas person. chapel, so a, yeah, it's probably an yeah, Elvis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and playing the clerk in Vegas, a future Hall of Famer if she's not a Hall of Famer already. Okay, Mike, get ready for this. Oh, I know who it is, and I I'm just getting you're ready, with excitement. You're ready? Are y'all sitting down here? Body or Seth? Say the line, Mike. She was on a number of episodes of Madam's Place. No, besides that. She was on We Got It Made. Besides that. You know that. I am here. Oh, she played a nun in that episode of Punky Brewster when the Chicago Cubs made the playoffs in 84. You know I am here. What if I said I don't know why you're here? Stop making me cry. <laughs> Fine, I'll say it. She was on the Magic Game Hollywood Screws Hour in 83 to 84. Oh, is that what you Thank wanted you. me to say? But let's not also forget she was on that float with both America's asses at the 1983 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Hold on, time out. Do you think Chris Evans enjoyed going places? Yes. 
Yes, I do. Because Stacey Keenan was in it. And if he's anything like me, his first childhood crush was Stacey Keenan. Yeah, I said it. Episode 10. Who's the boss? Mona! Mo Mona! Thank you, Greg. We all know it's Mona. Jack is appointed as the new head writer of Here's Looking at You! Annoying his friends when his new position goes right to his head. Charlie, Alex, and Kate conspire with Dawn to help teach Jack a lesson. Playing Dick Marshall, Patrick Cronin, who was Michelson in Splash. He also played Chief Black on The Oldest Rookie, future entry there. And I think we talked about him in the past because he played a doctor on an episode of Carter Country. I'd buy that. Whether we want to acknowledge Carter Country or not is a different story. Uh, yeah. Episode 11, Curse of the Video. During the taping of a Here's Looking at You segment about superstition, Jack ridicules a professed witch who puts a five-part curse on him. As each part of the curse comes true, Charlie invites a psychic to the house to try and lift it. Oh boy. Rare TGIF crossover here, playing Madame Pushnik, the uh, medium hired to try and lift the curse off of Jack. Felita Moreno from just down the road on the schedule on Perfect Strangers. And playing the witch, Christine Healy, and I'm looking at her, she doesn't look like a witch, she looks rather nice. She was a that woman from that thing. Still is, actually. But has a recurring role as Dr. Judith Lichfield on the Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Which was really popular on NBC for like three weeks. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? I don't know! Episode 12 Feud Poisoning After the roommates agree to a truce following a massive practical joke war, Alex and Kate find a burglar in the living room and think it's Charlie and Jack's final prank and treat the man like a guest. When Charlie and Jack come home, they tell the girls it's a real burglar and the four hold him until the police arrive. Our burglar is played by John Fleck. No relation to Chuck Fleck, the game show host on the game show episode of Night Court, OG style. <laughs> Let's pause for a moment here, because up until this moment, like you said, Greg, this was the place filler at 9.30 on ABC. With these three behemoths, these three known entities, Perfect Strangers, Full House, Family Matters. In no particular order. And then you have 2020 at 10. Going Places did okay. It started out with uh, almost 20 million viewers, which in 1990 numbers, it would be okay. Okay, that's like the equivalent of like 70 million people now. Yeah. Six seasons in a movie, baby. 
And that's not accounting for streaming and cable in 2023. Yeah. But it was obviously the weak link in the lineup. The jokes weren't really great. Heather Locklear was landing all of her beats, but I don't think the rest of the cast could keep up. So rather than cancel the show, because the meat is in the sandwich, they did the next best thing. They canceled, here's looking at you! And we'll see what happens after the cancellation and who's brought in to sort of spruce up the numbers right after these era-appropriate messages. All ready to serve orange juices start out equal. Most brands take out nature's water to form a concentrate, then put water back in. But here's one brand that doesn't, Tropicana Pure Premium. It's not made from concentrate. Nothing's ever added or taken away. In fact, no other major brand comes closer to this than this. Sooner or later, we think everyone will reach the same conclusion. You just can't pick a better juice. Saturday, the Pro Bowlers Tour rolls into Baltimore for the Fair Lanes Open. Then on ABC's Wide World of Sports, this foe knows boxing. Undefeated Riddick Poe has become the hottest young star in the heavyweight division. Now he puts his perfect record on the line against Terrell Biggs, live. Plus, Herschel Walker, Jerry Rice, and Barry Sanders join other NFL top stars for the kickoff of the Jeep Superstars. And the last great race on earth gets underway. It's all Saturday on ABC Sports. We won again. Oh, no, how embarrassing. It's true, sir. Our Keebler Weedables beat Wheat Thins and Taste Test two to one. Poor Wheat Thins. That's two years in a row. Yes. I mean, poor Wheat Thins. Our Keebler Weedables are unbeatable. It's the special elfin seasonings we put in. Maybe we're making Weedables too flavorful. Maybe Weedables are too delicious. Nah. Keebler Weedables in ranch and white cheddar, too. It's baby talk. What are you here for? Getting my booster shot. How about you? I have a rash that even the New England Journal of Medicine can't explain. Wow. I think it comes from sitting in a diaper of urine for six hours. A special preview next Friday after Full House. It's lots of fun. Tuesday after Who's the Boss? Hey, baby. What's shaking? There's a new dummy in the house. On an all-new Davis Rules. Then... She's pathetic. I mean, she's never even been kissed. Right? Like, I don't have enough spit of my own. Darlene tries to make up for lost time. Darlene? Hi, Mommy. Roseanne! And back again at a special time. I'll come out for a little while. It's another new Davis Rules. I think she should see my new set of power tools. An electrifying double Davis Rules Tuesday. So here's where we stand on going places. It's going exactly nowhere. Slowly. But rather than cancel the show outright, the producers decide to do a little tinkering. Alan Eisenstock and Larry Mintz, who were the uh, supervising producers and showrunners of the whole thing, was out. And Sherry Hearn who I believe would be working on Perfect Strangers at the time, was brought in 
to be the new showrunner. Also brought in as perhaps the smarmiest talk show host you ever did meet. Dick Roberts. Steve Vinovich. Oh, yes. But you know what? I remember Steve Vinovich best for. Tell me. He played BJ Wirt, one of the heels in the movie Mannequin. Damn right. Hey, we've worked in two Kim Cattrall references in this episode. Not enough. And playing his constantly put-upon producer, Artie Ross, another Brothers alum, Hallie Todd, Philip Charles McKenzie. He played the requisite gay best friend, and I believe he would be one year removed either before or after from his role on Open House opposite Allison LaPlaca. Open House, of course, being the duet spinoff. Duet had a spinoff? Duet had a spinoff. Yeah. Really? It made Ellen DeGeneres' career. All that show! Yeah! Now I know. You could have just said Ellen, and I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And also added to the cast, uh, one regular kid and one not-so-regular kid. The regular kid is Nick, who is the nephew of Kate, played by J.D. Daniels, who I only remember for one thing, and I want to credit Secret Galaxy's Dan Larson for letting me know about this. He was in a video catalog for Child World slash Children's Palace opposite Lacey Chabert. But he was also in the Mighty Ducks. He was in the first but Mighty Ducks. Also... Oh, that's right! He was also in the first Mighty Ducks. Yeah, he was Peter in the first Mighty Ducks movie. Okay, so he was Peter in the first Mighty Ducks movie, and he played opposite Lacey Chabert in a video catalog for Child World slash Children's Palace. And I think he was in that one very special episode of Full House that Dash covered a while back. Dash covered a lot of special episodes of Full House, Greg. But let's not forget what happened in Florida. What happened in Florida, Whitman Mayo? What happened in Florida? And the not-so-regular kid was the child of Dick Roberts, Sam Roberts, who was a walking hypochondriac with his own apothecary bag filled with pharmaceuticals. He was played by Christopher Castile. And yes, the same Christopher Castile who would act as Stacey Keenan's little brother on Step by Step one year later. And he was also in Beethoven. And he was also in Beethoven as the Cole Tom's little brother. Christopher Castile has some hot TV slash movie sisters. Let me just tell you. So he's playing a character named Sam Roberts. So I presume this is not based on the serious XM host as a child. No. Oh, well, that's a shame. So they retool the premise 
and it all is explained in the plot of episode 13, The New Job. The network cancels Here's Looking at You, leaving the roommates to seek new jobs. They become writers of a new daytime talk show hosted by the obnoxious Dick Roberts. The show's first guest is investigative author Jerry Slaughter, whom they lose moments before he is supposed to appear. So Charlie decides to take his place. The ruse backfires when the real Jerry Slaughter appears during the interview. The roommates, fearing they'll be fired, are surprised to receive praise for their ingenuity and they keep their jobs anyway? What? Are you kidding me? Mike, can you believe this crap? No, I can't. Holland Taylor shows up to collect the rent, and that's pretty much the extent of her run on this show, because we never see her or her jazzy bedroom again. To quote Dash, she probably effing killed herself. Playing Jerry Slaughter? Television legend, David Groh, played Rhoda's boyfriend slash husband, Joe Gerard on Rhoda. Playing Morty Gallup, Christopher Garten, who is known for directing Black Swan, Transcendence, and Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Oh, that's terrific. Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Episode 14, New Kid on the Block. Oh! oh, oh. Kate's brother sends his son, troublesome eight-year-old Nick, to visit her, then leaves a message that he's too busy to return for his son, and Kate and her roommate suddenly become unlikely full-time parents. Corky! You won't believe what happened! So this is the first uh, appearance of J.D. Daniels as Cousin Nick. As Cousin Oliver. I mean, Cousin Nick. You know this show's getting canceled as soon as you add the Gilda Kid onto the show. I need to remind you all, four people in a three-room house and now they have a kid in the picture. Where's he gonna sleep? Where is he gonna sleep? Is he gonna sleep on the couch? Is he gonna sleep with one of the girls? Is he gonna sleep with the brothers? That'd be very strange and weird for him. Is he gonna sleep at Lindsay's house? Is he gonna sleep on the counter? Is he going to sleep with... No, probably not, because we never see her again. Anyway, and that would just be weird. Episode 15, Room to Move. With Kate's... I, I think we're going to get an answer here. I'm going to take a look at this, but I think we have an answer here. When Kate's nephew, Nick, moves in with the writers... The new living situation severely cramps the roommate's carefree lifestyle, so Kate figures they're better off elsewhere and rents a dreary apartment. When they start to miss her, Charlie, Alex, and Jack decide to convert the attic into a bedroom for Nick, so they'll move back into the beach house. There you go! Oh, Questions good. Questions answered. Oh, that's answered fantastic. answered a question. Oh, that's great. 
We have a name on this episode. Playing Kristen is Kristen Cloak, who is best known for her role as Shane Banson in Space Above and Beyond, that show from the 90s that tried to beat Star Trek. But she was in the first Final Destination movie. Spoiler alert, she dies. Yeah, basically everyone dies, including Sean William Scott. Episode 16, Don't Go Changing. Kate, Charlie, Alex, and Jack agree to babysit Dick's nerdy son, Sam, but are unprepared for the hypochondriacal boy who arrives with a virtual pharmacy in his suitcase. Nick decides to turn the overprotective Sam into a regular kid by taking him out skateboarding. Sam breaks his leg, but he's happy because for the first time in his life, he feels like a regular kid. Chris Castile makes his first appearance as Sam Roberts. Also in this episode, playing a jock, Eric Freeman, who is best known for a career-defining role in Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Oh! Who can forget the immortal line from him? Garbage day! By the way, he's from Raleigh, so Tar Heel in the house. Isn't Raleigh where uh, freaking uh, NC State is? Yes. So it's Wolfpack. Get that garbage out of here. (laughs) Episode 17. Take my girlfriend, please. Jack's ex-girlfriend Wendy visits and insists that Charlie escort her around town. Charlie is thrilled when he meets the now attractive Wendy, irritating his brother. In the end, Jack decides to put aside his ego for once and be glad Charlie's having a good time. Meanwhile, Sam is caught in a B-plot. I mean, Sam is caught hiding Nick's cheat sheets during a test and earns his respect by not using them. Playing George Farrell in this episode, Edward Edwards. That's his name, Edward Edwards. He played Manson in the original RoboCop movie. I'd buy that for a dollar. I knew you would bring that up, which is why I brought it up. And in the role of Wendy Spencer, Darlene Vogel, who appears on Pacific Blue as Officer Chris Kelly, and was on episodes of Full House, Farscape, No Disclosure, Boy Meets World, and CSI. But you would probably remember her, Greg, as Spike from Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, she was in Griff's gang, right? Right. With Jason Scott Lee, he was in that gang too. Yeah, and fun fact, she was actually a different character on Back to the Future, The Ride. Oh! She played a character named Heather in Back to the Future, The Ride. Well, I gotta watch the DVD again and see that part, so. Episode 18, Bobby Dearest. Nick is excited to see his favorite band in concert. Kate promised that she would take him, but ends up breaking that promise when she finds out that everyone must camp out in line overnight to get tickets. So Nick sneaks out of the house to get tickets himself. Wait until he finds out what happens in 31 years when 
You have to get Taylor Swift tickets. Kate, Alex, Charlie, and Jack go to bring Nick back home, but decide to stay in line and camp out for the night while they're there. It's an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode waiting to happen. Only family-friendly because he's eight. And playing the mother of Kate, Dina Dietrich. We've talked about her plenty. She's probably best known for playing Mother Nature in the chiffon margarine commercials back in like the 70s and 80s. You don't mess with Mother Nature. <laughs> but we've definitely talked about her in the past. Where we talked about her previously was she was on an episode of Get a Life. Probably one of the best episodes we've ever done, to be totally honest. And she played a countess on an episode of the Ghostbusters, which we talked about back in 1975. But even more importantly, she played a key character on one episode of this TV series, because if she wasn't in this series, it probably, well, I was going to say it probably wouldn't have worked, but actually that would maybe be a good thing. She played a gypsy on Turnabout. That is fantastic. She's the reason why John Shuck and Sharon Glass switched places. Oh, Shuck. Oh, Shuck. Store fleet regulations. That's outrageous. <laughs> Final episode coming. The Camping Show. Jack and Charlie take Nick and Sam's Nature Scout group on a camping weekend, but their inexperience with the nature scouts caused them to end up lost in the wilderness. Remember, Shaq and Charlie are from Chicago. There weren't any woods in Chicago? Like, in the suburbs that they could go to? Have you been in the suburbs of Chicago? No. No. Okay. That's more of a Peoria thing. Okay. Nick stands up for Sam after the boys in the scout group tease Sam for being a nerd. But Sam's intelligence saves them as he leads the boys to civilization. Meanwhile, Artie comes to the rescue in a B-plot of Alex, Kate, and Lindsay when they become trapped in the exercise equipment that they were assembling as a surprise for Charlie. If this was the original format, it would have probably been a sex swing. And Big D would have had a cameo. This is a veritable TGIF preschool sort of situation here, because playing the role of David, Ryder Strong. This is the first time that Ryder Strong and Jerry Levine would share a scene together, but it would not be the last. No, it wouldn't. But since we're once again bringing up Boy Meets World, you know what that means. I figure you do a good takeout business. Good takeout business. Yeah, we do a good takeout business. Takeout business. <laughs> and playing Pam Stone is Holly Gagnier. It's, it's got to be like a French Canadian, so maybe Garnier or something like that. She's from Los Angeles. Well, that doesn't make a difference. Maybe it's got a French spelling to it. Maybe it's pronounced with a French. Whatever. Whatever. By the way, Holly Gagnier, she was in... Oh, now you say Gagnier <laughs> like it's French-Canadian. 
Oh, okay, Mr. Hypocrite. Time for the simple fat remark. She was in a previous entry, Mr. Merlin, the episode I Was a Teenage Loser, and she was on an episode of Silk Stockings. <laughs> but mostly she's known for your mama's stories. And Pacific Blue. That's it. That's the show. And as popular as it was on the lineup, critics had a field day with this show. The consensus was pretty much summed up by the LA Times' Howard Rosenberg. Going Places is an unfunny comedy series about people trying to be funny. And adds Rick Kogan of the Chicago Tribune, the humor is insipid, the acting strains, and the idea blatantly derivative. Three's company plus one. No thanks. Fuck this guy! This guy doesn't know fucking art! So they switch from having active social lives to being parents? Nobody stuck around to watch that premise, except for the people who happened to have been watching the rest of TGIF at the time. So, we talked about the revamping in mid-season. Robert Blair, who was a supervising producer, he left. Sherry Heard replaced him. And Valerie Bromfield, who was in several things before this, was actually a co-producer on this show. So the show actually got an uptick in the audience. So the season ended in March, and all they could do now was watch and wait. And while they're watching and waiting, we have sort of a recount of how this show was pitched. It was basically pitched as a televised version of the fabulous Baker Boys. What? I swear to God, it says right here on the uh, ABC fandom page, a direct allusion to the show's cinematic inspiration showed up in the original pilot script when Kate first meets Charlie, Jack, and Alex in the offices of Here's looking at you! She acknowledges their relations to each other and says, Oh look, it's the fabulous Baker Boys. Again, this aired at 9.30 at night on a Friday. Does any kid in 1991 know the plot of the Fabulous Baker Boys? No. No. It came in 41st, which, given the time period, was basically a 50-50 shot of being renewed. ABC announced that they put the show on hiatus while it decided where to proceed in terms of future scheduling. They thought it was, and that by they I mean ABC, they thought it had potential as an 8 or 9 o'clock show rather than a 9.30 show. And while they're trying to juggle the schedule in time for the May upfront, they decided to put a long-delayed sitcom on in that place. That sitcom was Baby Talk, which was the TV version of Look Who's Talking, future entry, 
Turns out that people really liked Baby Talk. And you know why they liked Baby Talk? Because, for the first time ever, Tony Danza was not playing a character named Tony. Baby Talk was actually in the top 20, if you believe that. What? It, it was in the top 20. Going Places was in 41. So when the upfronts were held, Family Matters remains on TGIF, while Full House moved to Tuesdays, and Perfect Strangers moved to Saturdays. Step by Step was greenlit for the season. And aside from that, Baby Talk was allowed to move to Fridays to prop up that 930 hole. So that decision, ABC's decision to stick with Baby Talk and the competition that emerged from the network stable of strong pilots resulted in ABC being content to just let going places go. As far as home video releases, there are none. It was never released on home video. It was not released officially streaming. But you can watch a few episodes on YouTube if you know where to look. Greg, can you uh, end this, please? Well, in 1990 and 1991, Going Places, it had Alan Ruck, it had Heather Locklear, it had Lizzie McGuire's mama. It had Jerry Levine. But I guess people just wanted to hear Tony Danza as a baby more than this. So in the end, going places became just another thing on TV. Well, guys, before we sign off this episode, I got something for you guys. I got a chat GPT limerick for you guys. <laughs> chat GPT limerick. Bop, bop, bop. All right. I told chat GPT, could you please write a limerick about the show going places? And this is what it said. Okay. Are you ready? There once was a show called going places with a cast full of familiar faces. They traveled around and adventures were found. Making memories in all sorts of spaces. Very nice. I don't know what to even say at this point. I do. You can go to itwasathingontv.com if you want to go to 368 other places. Some of them may have Heather Locklear, some may not. But they're all there, including our minisodes, our live watches few surprises. We've just started instant reactions. Each of us had one. And spoiler alert, this Wednesday, as we're recording this, and as you're listening to it, I'm going to have another instant reaction. Oh! Yep. Power Rangers once and always. Cool. Cool. And meanwhile, we're on all social media at It Was A Thing On TV. Except for it was a thing on TV podcast on Facebook because Dick Roberts is in charge of their social stream. And also Mark Zuckerberg played a giant prank on us on He Was Looking at You. And if you are on YouTube, don't forget to smash the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries. 
which are all available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like and subscribe, rate, review, five stars only, because positive vibes only. Let's talk about Thursday, shall we? Because we have, guys, remember when Second Chance aired on Fox and it was taken off the schedule only to be retooled to another show? Yeah. Would you believe that Fox never learned a thing from that? Oh, they never learned a thing? They never learned a thing. Oh. And not only that, they attempted to spin off Married with Children with it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. All this and our friends, too. Next time, right here on It Was A Thing On TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one. Wow! I feel pretty good, yeah? I feel real good. Those guys, those guys were nice, huh? At the garage, I was a little worried about them. Turned out good. Hey! Cameron? How many miles did you say this thing had on it when we left? 126 and halfway between three and four tenths. Why? How many miles are on it now? Here's where Cameron goes berserk. something chico i think it was dinner from last night I don't know. Hmm. uh-oh uh-oh uh-oh